What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Culture Kings, y'all. Today we got a special episode. Uh, It's me riding solo for this one. No Edgar on today's episode. Uh, You know, uh, we both are going to, just to let you guys know in the next upcoming episodes, most of them will still be together, but there are going to be a couple where he's riding solo, I'm riding solo. Uh, Surprisingly, we both are still busy during quarantine uh so you know don't be alarmed by that it's nothing too crazy just things here and there uh but today is a little bit of a special episode uh you know normally this show is i don't want to say it's a light-hearted show um we we're never scared to talk about whatever we need to talk about we're never scared to have conversations um that need to be heard uh, and, and, you know, for the most part, it is a comedy podcast. It's a comedy pop culture pop ca- podcast. But um, in the culture, as a straight black man, as a cis straight black man, um, one thing that I lack, um, I don't want to speak for Edgar, but uh, black men in general lack, is our care for black women. Uh, one thing that we lack is uh, standing up for our black women, and especially during the Me Too movement, uh, as we say Black Lives Matter, uh, we can't forget that our, and women in general, I'm not, you know, obviously don't, don't be dumb and think I'm saying anything beyond what I'm saying, but uh, black women matter, and and their stories matter. And um, we need to do a better job in taking care of these women and ta- and 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 listening and giving them uh, the platform that we have so often taken away um, as we have shoved, unfortunately, our women of color very low on the totem pole when it comes to our change for justice um, in many facets. So. um. I am not an interviewer. <laughs> um, I don't consider myself an interviewer. Um, I am not an expert at anything uh, except maybe the OC and Chuck and, you know, wrestling or some and the Bulls and the Cubs. You know, those are the only things I'll say I'm an expert at. Um, but I thought it was a good opportunity to have somebody on from an upcoming or a show that's already out, I should say. Um on HBO Max called On the Record, which is a show or, or a film on HBO Max about um, examining the sexual assault allegations against hip-hop mogul Russell Simmons. Um, our guest today is Shanita Hubbard. She was on that actual uh, documentary. Uh, she's a very, very great guest. Um, she is a social activist. Uh, she knows the hip-hop game. I think she has a voice that, you know, among many voices of women of color and black women especially, that we need to uplift and put at the forefront of this movement that we're having um, with the Black Lives Matter movement and the Me Too movement within our community and the world as a whole. Um, She's a writer. She's also a speaker. I, I, I'm going to let her just have the floor. I'm going to talk to her about the documentary, about her involvement in it, about her work. She's also an author. Um, she has a book called Miseducation, A Women's Guide to Hip Hop. So uh, I'm very excited to talk to her and to let her have the platform and the floor to give to you guys to listen to. Uh, so I say let's get right to it. Let's get to Shanita. I hope you guys enjoy. What is up, Shanita? How are you doing today? I'm good. Today is a better <laughs> quarantine day. So, well, yeah. social distancing day, not exactly quarantines anymore. But yeah, today's cool. Yeah, it's wild because, you know, where where are you in L.A. or are you in? No, the, I'm in I'm in Pennsylvania now. Okay. All right. So you're all, but you're in one of the bigger cities that are mm-hmm. affected by yes. by Rona. Um yeah, it's wild because as we are getting to what, month four or five of this, 
and places, in my opinion, stupidly started to open up and now are surging again. Mm-hmm. It's weird because we're being more we're we're getting more careful again, but we've also said, well, maybe we can open up our bubbles just a little bit. <laughs> we're getting used to what we're what we need to do to be safe, which I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing to be honest. I mean, to protect my mental health, I've had to carefully open up my quarantine bubble a bit. Yeah. In terms of people who were also like really social distancing and really strict, you know, you have to open it up a bit because I was like, you know, I can't go crazy in the house by myself. Yeah, is it you? I think you have to. And you know, at the beginning of quarantine, it was all like, "Yo, don't bring your breath within fifty yards of me." <laughs> <laughs> but, but now, you know, like like you said, for our own sanity, we we we're opening up our circles and our bubbles safely, you know. And I think that is one hundred percent okay. It's mm-hmm. just the people who aren't doing it safely mm-hmm. who don't. They can stay over science. there, right? They can stay. They can stay where they at. <laughs> You know, leave me and my, you know, two, three people who I trust Mm -hmm. alone, you know. (laughs) Awesome, awesome, for sure. Well, uh, I am uh, very excited to chop it up with you and talk to you. Um, And first, I just, you know, for for people who don't know who you are, uh, for people who are going to be introduced to you for the first time listening to this, uh, I would love to just kind of talk about you for a little bit and talk about you know uh you and your voice and your journey before we you know jump into uh, on the record and also your book uh as well so yeah let, let's talk about shanita Shanita, <laughs> where you want to start <laughs> oh man where we want to start where you are you so you're in pennsylvania are you from pennsylvania or no 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 I'm from New York. I moved out here about a couple of years ago because, you know, gentrification is expensive and all that other good stuff. No, it's a lot cheaper out here. So, and I'm close to my mom. So that's nice. It was great. Mm -hmm. My mom, I'm from Chicago and uh, I moved out here to LA about eight years ago. And my mom just moved out here last year. Uh, And she was born and raised in Chicago 50 plus years and she moved out here. So it's nice. It's, it's nice. nice to have family. It's nice to have your mom close, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Do you have kids? I do not have kids. Don't have yeah. kids. Uh, and, uh, you know, and probably won't in the immediate future either. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. How yeah. about you? Um, I have a daughter. And okay. so it's kind of great having being out here next to my mom. So also made quarantine a bit interesting because you got to protect yourself and a whole nother other human being and working from home and doing a whole school homeschooling thing. So it's been interesting to say the least. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. So I, you know, I just kind of looking up like things that you've done and, and, and the things that you are doing. Um, I mean, first of all, I know as a as a black man, as a straight black man, that we have we fail very often when it comes to uh, bigging up our women of color and our black women's voices in our community, and 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 f- and for whatever reason, you guys still fuck with us, <laughs> um, and 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 just do it with such leadership that. Is sorely needed. It is. It is insane how much black women lead from the front when yes. people don't realize that they are or do. Um, so I, I would love to just kind of hear your thoughts and your and your views on how you have you know bought your way toward you know being a social justice activist, uh, especially in hip hop, which is something that isn't rare social activism has always been something in hip-hop mm-hmm. social actives social activism for black women has not yes <laughs> and yeah yeah so i would love to hear your journey on that oh so yeah um like you said hip-hop was formed it was birthed out of the need for social justice and social activism for our community but what was rare was um narrowing that scope a bit more to amplify the very distinct needs of black women because we live at that intersection of racism and sexism, right? So, and sometimes, so while hip hop is a wonderful vehicle for fighting um, larger issues within our community, sometimes it's still harmful for those of us who also love and champion hip hop, which is black women. And um, 
I did, I'm not, I wasn't, I'm not one of the pioneers, right? I'm, there's people before me, like you've seen in a documentary that saying, God, there was a doctor, there is a Dr. Joan Morgan and a Dream right. Hampton and a Kierna, right? When I was so much younger and kind of still unpacking my own internalized sexism, they were, um, they were on the front lines, like fighting this battle and carving out paths and made a road and gave me language itself. So this is something that has been going, it's been an uphill battle for a very long time. I'm just really blessed and grateful that I'm not, you know, that I get to follow some trailblazers that you've seen in a documentary. Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 you know, listen, my, my, and speaking of my mom, my mom had me when she was 16 single. Mm-hmm. Um, I often say, and this is something that most, people say about their moms that I think she is the strongest person I know. Um, But as I've grown older, outside of just knowing like she was a young black woman who had me as a, as a 16 year old and I shouldn't be where I am right now, but it's because of her. Mm -hmm. Uh, Now I also have the thought process of how hard that is to be a black woman in America and then raise children when we have so much, like you have to care so much about your own children navigating out there in the world for a world that doesn't care about you, you know? Yes. And, and it's, it, I can't imagine, I just, I can't fathom how, I mean, I know how hard it is as a black man. I can't fathom how hard it is as a black mother. Um, how is, how is that navigating not only the world, but you know, hip hop is big in our community and mm-hmm. and your daughter is going to have such a greater, I would, ho- I would assume because where we are going in our culture, mm-hmm. such a greater appreciation for hip hop because it's much safer space for women than it ever has been. And will hopefully continue. Really? To. Is it though? <laughs> it's where, not, I, mean, I don't know. It's not, but it's say I, that it is. Well, a safer yes, space. go ahead. Okay. I mean, I, I can't even say it's a safer space. I say that we're having these conversations and it hasn't even been widely um, accepted and adopted and even supported, right? Because this documentary gotcha. is out and we and the survivors still have to fight back. So can we say it's safer or is the conversation happening on a larger scale? Because they're not necessarily the same things. Yeah, I think and you're right. And I think it's the latter for sure. And, and I think that is uh, thankfully, since the conversation is happening on a larger scale, um, a lot of kids now will grow up with that conversation mm-hmm. being had, which I didn't. Yes. Um, I can't speak for anybody else, but I didn't have that conversation. I mean, shit, let's be real. I'm 33. Well into my 20s, I, w- I would routinely say, well, that's just hip hop, you yeah. know? And that sucks. <laughs> like, that sucks because it's, it shouldn't be, right? It shouldn't be an expected part of the mm-hmm. genre. Uh, you- and it is. You said a few things I want to touch on. Like um, in terms of my daughter, it's interesting because my daughter is 10 and she's about the same age I was when I started to fall in love with hip hop. I may have been about nine years old, but I was introduced to it through my older brothers who are, mm. you know, super New York hip hop to their heart. So it was their hip hop, right? So that while they had the lexicon and they had the, the wherewithal, they had the knowledge, my brothers were like, you know, I hate this term, it's so gentrified, just super duper woke, like before that was a term. Like back then <laughs> it was just like, you know, they got knowledge itself, right? So they right, introduced right. me to hip hop and it was able to definitely help me understand how it's such a powerful tool for social activism. But they didn't have the range to talk to me about, you know, women in hip hop and unpacking misogyny, you know, and helping me see me in those lyrics. They helped me to see them in those lyrics, but they simply didn't have the range to do anything else. So the conversations are so naturally different with my daughter. So now she asks questions that, you know, I never even thought to ask about before. Like she's very specific. Like she wants to know, like, where are some of these girl rappers? Like, you know, what are they talking about? Like she really pushes back on ways that I never even, I never even fathom. Right. So the, um, one of your questions was like, what is it to be raising a black child today? <sighs> You you also said something about your mom. You said she's so strong. I wish I didn't have. I wish 
I wish we didn't have to be this strong. Yeah. Black women don't want to be, we actually, I don't want to say we're not strong. We don't want to be seen as, um, as strong as the world thinks that we are because there's a tendency to allow us to do so many things solo. There's a tendency to allow people to say things and not fight with us or for us because people see us so, as so strong. I can give you a very, I can give you a million examples. But as of recently, I was listening to like a piece of this interview with 50 Cent and Little Wayne and they're like joking around about um, laughing and kicking about how and why they don't date black women and it's a big joke and people are laughing and once that interview came out the the larger conversation around it was like oh so who would do who would 50 go up against in a versus right it was, that's where the conversation was not very few people interjected and jumped in and said hey you really just gonna drag black women just because just because right. it's a day ending with the letter Y, right? There wasn't any that type of support outside of other black women, right? Because people we have often seen as, oh, they're so strong. Sometimes people don't fight with and or, or for us. And it's exhausting. And it may seem like it's something small, but it's just one more thing. So in terms of raising a black child, I'm super mindful, especially a black daughter. I'm super mindful to let her know that, you know, it's okay to not be this super strong. Like, we're not going to play into that myth of a super strong, invincible black woman. We don't do that in my home. I'm very deliberate about not living that life. And I'm very deliberate about, you know, my child not doing that. So I wish we didn't have to be so, this, I wish we wasn't seen as invincible, right? And part of the ways that people, I don't, I don't know what it would, part of the, you know what it would take? I want to see more black men having these conversations. I really love the way you opened it up and you said, um, and again, I'm paraphrasing. It's like, pretty much we have to do better by black women. And that's fantastic, brother. I want you to, that's you are telling me this, but this is also a very safe space. I want you to have these conversations when Miss Rona leaves and y'all in a barbershop and you're talking to right. other black men, have those conversations there and do that heavy lifting there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, it, it is. It is the issue that is facing our uh, community of black men is, you know, it's very easy to for me to say this here. Mm-hmm. Uh, is it as easy when, and it should be, and it needs to start being, when, like you say, you get to that barbershop and the barbershop talk and, mm-hmm. and you know, like, ah, oh, the men being men, boys being boys, and, mm-hmm. and which is such a, I, I, I am very happy that those notions have started to be pushed back on and rejected um, because it is, it is an asset. First it's toxic. Yes. (laughs) Like is, is the first, is the first thing. And like you said, and I'm so glad that you said it and, and reverse my, my, my mind process on that. And it, it doesn't allow for us to, just be human right mm-hmm. like yeah you know like it is human to not have to be strong mm-hmm. it is human to fail yes. it is human to succeed in certain things and not in others these are mm-hmm. all human things that we don't afford you know ourselves to have and or others in our community to have and especially black women because like you said the trope is man ain't nobody stronger than a black woman mm-hmm. right and I guess, and it's true, right? But there's nobody. But that doesn't mean like. So I'm gonna let them go ahead and do right, it <laughs> right, right. You know, uh, there's nobody strong. There's nobody stronger than black people. Yeah, that's great. But you know, we still out here in these streets fighting every day. Yeah. So we 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 need something else besides strength, right? <laughs> like, we need something else besides strength, and um, this convers. I will want the conversation to move further like just to give you maybe a few talking points we can to yeah, have please. in your in your barbershop talk one of the things when um gosh i'm drawing a blank when sometimes when black children are killed right we we clearly i did whether it's tamir rice right or whoever it is we clearly see them as children but the media would say black man they do not see them as children as something to be protected they are something to be feared right so then there's less there's less revolt there's less pushback when this baby gets gunned down if they're viewed as a man Right. So and I think the ripple effect is so damning. And on the same token, that dangerous trope of the strong black woman has a huge ripple effect. Right. When you see you don't see us as um, as vulnerable, as hurting, as in need of protection, we fight alone. 
Not because we want to, because we have to. Because if we stop swinging, what will happen to us when there's no one else out there with us? Yeah. Well, yeah, that's true. And and that's a scary thought. Like, mm-hmm. if we stop fighting, then what? Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? And And in many ways, we know the answer to that. But the fact that it is not a clear-cut answer is even more scarier. Because yeah. that means that what would happen would be unfathomable. Um, unfathomable. So you are, you're a hip-hop, you're a hip-hop fan, you are in the hip-hop community as far as, uh, or how would you, how would you, um, how would you signify your space in the hip-hop game? That's a really good question. I am to my heart just always forever a hip-hop fan and i love hip-hop like i love hip-hop the way james baldwin loves america like it's mine so i i reserved a right to question it to push it and require it to do better right and that's the way i love hip-hop yes i am a um hip-hop journalist yes i write about it in a way where i challenge things but it's mine i want it to do better by us i want it to be better so i'm forever a hip-hop fan i am forever a hip-hop fan I'm just also a, I write about it, whether it's for the Huffington Post or the New York Times in my upcoming book, but at my core, I'm a hip hop head. I'm a fan. Yeah. So one, one thing that, uh, and I'm not going to talk about this dude much, but one thing that uh, I've always hated, you know, and I thought it was insane that some people, especially a lot of black men, this was a thought and a lot of, uh, black men, especially hip hop, that huh, once we have daughters, then we get we mm-hmm. get all the all the crap that we put you that we put mm-hmm. women through, right? Um, Jay Z has barred it up. Um, I feel probably a little more eloquently than Kanye West did, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and some of his uh, later tracks, and you know, we're not gonna talk much about. And I'm a brother from Chicago, so uh, <laughs> yeah, we could not talk about Kanye right now. Yeah, so uh, but I, I I've always hated that notion because it, it shouldn't take me getting punched in the face to know that it'll hurt. <laughs> you know, right? Uh, I I get I know it'll hurt. Mm-hmm. Uh, so why do you know it'll hurt? Because I'm a smart person who gets it, right? And mm-hmm. it should be the same way with how the hip hop community. And men in general, but how the hip hop community has treated women. It shouldn't mm-hmm. take you having a daughter to yeah. realize that some of your lyrics were damaging as hell, right? Mm-hmm. Um, what is, where do you see the industry going? Uh, mainstream, I think, you know, I don't know where, if it happens in the indie game or the mainstream world, where do you see the industry gr- going? as far as the misogyny in hip-hop and and the rampant <laughs> sexual abuse and mm. assault in hip-hop um, and the conversation around it and the okayness with mm-hmm. it being just lyrics, right? Yeah. That's a really good question. Um, hip-hop is forever evolving, right? It's no longer that kid that was playing in the park after dark in the South Bronx. Right? It's a big grown <laughs> man. That's more corporate now. It's forever evolving. And I want to believe that it's possible for it to evolve to be more, um, to be less misogynistic, to be less harmful for Black women, right? I, I want to believe that it's possible. If I stop believing that it's possible, I'll stop fighting, right? So I want to believe that it's totally possible. Do I see evidence that it's evolving in that direction? Mm. On some scales, yes. On some scales, we see more women having um, agency over their own bodies and pushing back against stereotypes and tropes. And when I say stereotypes, I mean like having agency over their own bodies, right? So it's no more the, we have, we don't have just a Foxy Brown or a Little Kim, right? We have so much, so many more, right? So on on one hand, we are growing, but it's slow and it's an uphill battle, right? And I think I'm, I'm thankful that we are, are having these conversations, but it's discouraging that we have, when I say we, I mean Black women, we have to continue to, um, it's like the, it's almost like we're wounded soldiers. Like I'm, I have faith that it can evolve into something better. I just can't necessarily point to too many tangible things. Um, one of the things that Kieran Amayo said to me, like one of, in our very early on conversations, she was like, you know, um, 
thank you for doing this work. And I'm sorry that you still have to, because she's been fighting this, you know, and doing this work decades before I started. So I want to believe that the work is going to get better for the next group of young black feminist hip hop heads. I want to believe it's going to get better for them. It has to. Yeah, it has to. Um, if I can shift the conversation a little bit to, mm-hmm. um, yeah, we, we've had conversations on this pod about HBO Max. Uh, we think it's going to win the streaming wars uh, as far as, you know, what people uh, are going to get a lot of great content on it. Um, mm-hmm. And the show or the documentary um, that you are involved with uh, on the record mm-hmm. is so needed because yes. uh because so many times i mean just in general a lot of these stories get pushed down mm-hmm. and i'm thinking within our own community right uh you know how long did people like bill cosby get away with shit yeah r kelly and mm-hmm. all these it shouldn't have taken the documentary 20 years after the fact for you know for something right. like an r kelly um and in hip-hop because there's this incorrect notion that you know, and you guys touch on this in the documentary that that's just the price of admission. Like that was a, that was yeah. a very prominent line. That's the price of admission to be mm-hmm. a woman in hip hop, um, which is heartbreaking, mm-hmm. very heartbreaking. Uh, for those who don't know, I talked about this in the intro, but on the record, I'll say it again. On the record is a documentary that is um, examining the sexual assault um, of Russell or with uh, Russell Simmons. And I would love for you to, I don't want to say it for you, to say what your involvement was in the documentary and why and why it is so important. I have my thoughts, but why is it so important that this documentary is made, watched, um, and shit, like, I hope something's going to come of it, right? Yeah. You know? So um, my role in the documentary is I am one of the the experts in the film. I'm one of the talking heads, so to speak. And it's so much larger. I'm so thankful that you use the actual name because people dismissively call it the Russell Simmons documentary. And it's not the Russell, quote unquote, just the Russell Simmons documentary because it explores the intersection of race and sexual violence in America. So my role in this film is to unpack that to give historical context, to give context for what this means to be a Black woman in America. And, and when you're both the survivor and the victim are both Black, right? So, and you cannot have this conversation without talking about white supremacy. So this, this film is so important because, again, this conversation is needed, right? And I think, um, I'm so glad that the Me Too movement is still has flames and it's still moving. But one of the things that this documentary does especially well is it does not let white supremacy off the hook. Because when you talk about why Black women like myself and like Drew and like the other women in the film are so in love to hip hop, right? We just say, oh, it was our advocate. We say that term and it's kind of implied that people know that what is it fighting against? Advocating against what, right? It was our weapon that we used to fight back against white supremacy. So we're telling a story without taking white supremacy off the hook because you cannot have this conversation without it. So that's my role in the film is to kind of help contextualize that and unpack it a bit more, which is also why it's so important for people to watch it, especially now, especially now because we are in a season where we are pushing for justice. We are pushing for accountability, right? We are talking about, um, we're talking, we're talking about justice with an intersectional lens. And that's what this documentary does especially well. This talks about sexual violence with an intersectional lens. If I could, um, I don't want to belabor this point, but there was a, but it's certainly worth mention, mentioning there was this young activist, her name first, her nickname was Toyin. I can't remember her last name right now, but she was on the front lines a few weeks ago and she was fighting um, in a Black Lives Matter movement. She was protesting with her body. She was physically using her body to fight against um, white supremacy, to fight for George Floyd, to fight for Breonna, for, to fight for us. And in the same week, she tweeted about, um, being sexually violated and her offender was a black man and that tweet and her voice and her cry it fell on deaf ears and um, maybe a few days later she was killed we failed her 
We yeah. failed a black woman, right? We failed her because we didn't respond. We failed her because, sure, this strong black, even though she's 19 years old, this strong black woman can be out there fighting against police, getting pepper sprayed. And who needs to show up for her when she's talking about housing insecurity and sexual violence? Who needs to show up for her? If people don't even show up for us, us to check rappers that are like kikiing about, you know, how we are not exotic or not desirable and we're so angry. How can we, are they even going to show up for a Tosin? Because they're so strong because we don't need that. Right. So this documentary is so critical because we need conversations like that. Not so we don't, because I don't want another drill. I don't want another toying. I don't know. I want another black woman's body to just be just disregarded in any capacity. Yeah. And uh, I mean, yeah. And, and, you know, it was so funny after the George Floyd deaths, not to get off topic of the documentary, but after the George Floyd deaths and, you know, the uprising started to happen uh, and myself included, one of the things that I was saying a lot to my white friends and fans of the show is look, like black people are out here fighting, but we also tired of fighting. Uh, like stop asking us what you can do or stop expecting us to have the tools to dismantle mm-hmm. the system that you built. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I put that on myself because the same could be said as a black man. Yes. For black I, women. I was right? really hoping you made that connection, brother. Yeah. And because all right, maybe as a black man and for the black race, if I don't feel like fighting today, sure. But as a black man for our black women, our black trans women, yeah. our, you know, all uh, 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 the, the people who are, and I, I, I don't know if this is a right phrase to use, but on the lower part of the totem pole, uh, I can fight more and I or should more be fighting more. I would more even say more marginalized in our communities. Mm-hmm. Yes. And, 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 you know, and, and for, and, and one thing that bothers me so much, and you spoke to this, is how we lack intersectionality in a lot mm-hmm. of these causes, right? We see it a lot with white toward black, white feminism toward uh, black feminism, right? Um, which, you know, I'm a man, so I can't speak too much to that. But I, I, we see it a lot. But it's in our community, too. Yeah. The intersectionality, like you, you keep bringing And honestly, this is some of the first times I've really like this documentary and you saying it. The intersectionality with black women of race and sex uh, mm-hmm. and, and sexism. Gosh, why is that something that is not just like a, a second nature phrase to hear? Shout out to Dr. Kimberly Crenshaw, right? She coined the term intersectionality. And it's um, a justice that's not intersectional is not justice at all, right? So even mm-hmm. right now, one of the things, it was so interesting because this documentary dropped and then we saw like the uprisings and people were saying like kind of on Twitter, like not right now, you know, not right now, black women, we're talking about police violence, not right now, black women, we're talking about ways white supremacy is killing or, you know, is harming our community as if these things are separate from us, right? right? There's a reason why if, and it's just not just opinion, these are stats. If you look at the cases in terms of like um, rape cases that are prosecuted, when the offender, I'm sorry, when the survivor is a black woman, it will least likely to get prosecuted. And we're talking about provided a black woman feels safe enough to call the police if she, you know, when she is raped, because who's to say they won't further harm her. And then there's still this piece of us where we innately just want to protect black men. Who's to say they still won't harm the offender. So white supremacy is the reason why is the reason why we are less protected when black women are raped. So to not to have this conversation and not treat them or even see it as though they are interconnected is part of the problem in itself. There, there cannot be anymore. Not right now. It has to be yes now. Yes, all of it at the same time. Yeah. If not now, then when? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Within the documentary, there you know. Which is a sad thing, and we've seen this a lot with Russell Simmons um, in particular, uh, or specifically toward this documentary, I should say, how men in power, men in general, but men in power especially get away with so much. Mm -hmm. Um, And they're believed. 
and they're believed unquestionably. Unquestionably. And sometimes I don't even know if they could one of the, um, I read an article about, and this, I thought there was such an unfair criticism about the review of the film. And the writer said, um, why didn't it have more men speaking out? If Drew helped all of these people in her field as an A&R, why weren't their voices, you know, in a film? Why weren't there more of them speaking out? And it wasn't, and it, it was really a criticism. You know, she really phrased it, the writer really phrased it as a criticism. What I thought was so unfair because that's part of the problem is that all of these men are not speaking out. And now you want to say, is he believed unequivocally or is it just because he, he helped make so many people in our community wealthy or rich, mm-hmm. right? So they're just not speaking back, speaking up for just a multitude of reasons. So yes, power works as a great silencer, you know, and, and when we talk about sexual violence against women, I wrote about this Oh, I mean, probably a gazillion times when talking about R. Kelly and why it's important to divest from R. Kelly. It's not about, oh, I can separate the music from the man. Let me tell you what you're doing when you're supporting him. You are putting money in his pocket, money that he is then able to use to silence his victims and in terms of powerful lawyers. Like there's a multitude of ways where you can just like, Google is free, right? You can really look look into that case and see the way that he used money and resources to silence these survivors, right? So there is something about, you know, the power that these men have to further silence them. And again, um, just thinking back to the Breakfast Club interview, it takes a lot of power to just like, you just, you know, it's very hard. The average Joe Blow can't pick up the phone and say, I want to go to the Breakfast Club. And regardless of what you think about the Breakfast Club, it's still a place where presidential candidates Theme that it's right. worthy enough to stop by there. It's still a massive audience. So he was able to leverage his, he still has power, despite the fact that he's been pretty removed from the hip hop industry for a really long time. He still has enough power to go on that show unchecked or, you know, uninterrupted with no pushback. So when you're talking about power, his power is buying him. It it allows him a massive platform to say whatever he wants to say. It allows him this type of access that the survivors don't always get. Yes, they push back and and they were able later to go on the show, but they still don't have that mega microphone. So that's what it is. That's what that power allows this, yeah. that, this type of power, not just with the Russell Simmons, but this is the reason why it can go so pervasive. Like, s- sexual predators don't live in a bubble. You need a squad, right? You need a squad of enablers to protect yeah. you, to muffle it. That's what power affords you. Yeah. I want to I make two points uh, because I would, love to, I would love to hear your thought process on, on, on this specific matter. Um, one part that I used to struggle with, um, and you can speak to this as a black uh, person as well, is how we feel like a lot of our heroes get taken away from us, right? Um, not to bring this name up again, but somebody like a Bill Cosby, right? Mm-hmm. There's no question what he's done for the black community and entertainment and, and, you know, and other fields as well. Like nobody can question some of that. Right. And, but then there's also no question that he's a rapist, mm-hmm. a brutal rapist, you know? And, and, and then the, and, and then the struggle that some people have, and I, I will say men have is making that connection or, or, not, or disconnecting like, how important he was for the movement toward now how we have to dismiss him because of his actions, right? And the conclusion that I came with, and this will lead me to my second point, is we need to champion more black women. Uh, there's no reason that the reason Bill Cosby was able to, and I'm not taking anything away from the work that he's done or the brain that he has, but the reason Bill Cosby was able to uh, be in that position is because before black women got there black men got there first as far as mm-hmm. oh we'll listen to the we'll listen to some of y'all mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what i'm saying and and we need more black heroes we need more black women heroes which leads me to my second point you said something about russell simmons going on unchecked 
And the thing that pisses me off about that is the reason he's unchecked is because a lot of people in our community and just a lot of people in general won't even hear about the story. The first time yeah. they'll hear about that story is when Russell Simmons comes to talk about it with his mm-hmm. point of view, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so not only do we need more black women as heroes and leaders that we can look to and like allow them to make the same, if not better changes that somebody with the legacy of Bill Cosby did, we also need to let those voices lead and be the front. So like Russell Simmons isn't the first time I'm hearing about this story, <laughs> you know, because for for those who aren't going to go and do the extra work, if Russell Simmons is the first time I'm hearing about this story, well, I've heard the story, mm-hmm. right? And that's a problem. <laughs> like, that's a problem. So I would love to just hear, like, what I don't, I don't even know what I want to hear. Uh, but let's yeah. unpack what you said, because you said a lot. So let's kind of unpack I did. This. I said a lot. So no, which is which is wonderful. So let's start with I used to use the phrase. Well, one, we're talking about Cosby. Right. And let's. I went to I graduated from an HBCU and I only knew an HBCU was possible because this little girl from the housing projects in Yonkers, New York, grew up watching a different world. I am the mm-hmm. first person in my family to ever attend college from my mother's side and my father's side. I didn't nice. even know this thing was what do you mean this thing called HBCU, right? Is a real thing. That literally planted a seed in my head that changed my my life trajectory. But multiple things can be true at the same time. While this man, um, his, like you said, the things that he contributed to our culture is literally undeniable. So his harm is just as undeniable, right? So what's going to happen here is what's happening. And I used to be a therapist for six years and another life, right? So um, what's happening here is you, people are experiencing what's called like cognitive dissonance. This, what do we do with this? What do we do with this man who he's, we grew up revering him um, somewhat rightfully so because his work literally changed the life trajectory of myself and my daughter. We're talking about generations of people that's changed, right? And we grew up him being quote unquote America's dad. Now we're presenting with um, a side of him that we didn't know exists. So cognitive dissonance is that feeling of uncomfortability. Like you don't know what to do with that or how to make sense of that. So sometimes people shy away from it. It doesn't feel good. So one of the things people tend to do is I want to not believe it, right? That can't be true about Cosby or B, I don't necessarily want to hear it, right? Then one of the things that people do is they want to extend grace. They want to offer him like an olive branch. They want from him, sometimes they're like, well, this was a long time ago, right? They tell themselves so many different things. And the same thing with Russell Simmons. It's almost like you want to extend them restoration because you don't know how to make sense of that cognitive dissonance. So you want restoration for him, right? And I believe as a also as a criminal justice um, professor, I believe in a restorative justice model, right? I believe there's a process of restoration, but for those who are struggling with cognitive dissonance, whether it's yourself, whether it's those listening, you have to understand before you are tempted to offer a path to restoration, know that that's not yours to offer. Before there can be restoration, there has to be some form of accountability and accountability looking like I was wrong. What can I do to restore this harm? And it is for the, the recipients of that harm to figure out if restoration is possible. So while you are wrestling with this, I don't know what to do with this, and people are tempted to offer some type of restoration for a Cosby or Russell Simmons, know that that's not yours to offer. You were not the person directly harmed by that. and I think, what else did you say? Because like I said, you said a lot. Like, I did say a lot. In oh, the, in you did. The, no, and I, I used to say, um, we have no heroes to spare, right? So it was really hard to, like, what do you want to seduce? Throw this Russell away? Like, Russell was, you know, he's dope in the hip-hop game. You know, he did A, B, C, and D. We have no heroes to spare. I don't know that we, I would like to change that language to say, Let's look at, let's pull our resources and behind other heroes, right? There's yeah. a tendency because we want leadership in our community, right? Let's redefine what that leadership can look like. Does that leadership necessarily have to be a cisgender male, right? Heterosexual male. What would happen if we threw our resources and our support around a, a woman, a black woman with the same capabilities as a Russell or as a Bill Cosby, who just was doing all this amazing stuff without being out here raping people? What will happen if we change our mind, our thinking about what leadership could look like in our community? Yeah. Right. So I think we will be having less of these conversations in terms of, but we have such few heroes. No, 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 no. You choose to support such few heroes because there's some dope ass black women out here doing a thing. You just choose to not throw your resources, support and trust around her. Yeah. 
Wow. Yeah. And then as far as um God, I love that. And that is so true. We we the whole we have few heroes is almost a cop out um mm-hmm. in many ways because <laughs> I there's something that I say often. If you if you're looking for A, you'll find B. Right? Mm-hmm. If I'm look, if I if, if and so change what you're looking for, right? Yeah. Look for more uh, non mm-hmm. straight black men heroes in our community. Uh, look for less and look for more black women, uh, black trans lives, black yes. these, like these communities that are so marginalized, but are doing just as much work. Yes. And are just as heroic. <laughs> And are just as intelligent and smart. And and these are things that you shouldn't have to say. But all the qualities that we love in our quote unquote heroes, Mm -hmm. they're not special. (laughs) They're not special. I think about the I mean, thinking about the documentary, what would have happened if Drew would have been as protected as Russell? Right. Russell had layers and layers. Where would she be? Where would she? Where would a Salai be? Where would a Sherry be if that had that layer of protection? You know, and I think Karen said in documentary, "What did we lose because we chose to not give her that type of protection?" Yep. Yeah. What you're? Oh, you're right. What did we lose? Like, what? What could we be talking about right now? What could we be talking about? Who would? Who would these women be? Yeah. Yeah. Um. I definitely want to talk about your book just a little bit, but before we get there, um, as far as on the record goes, first of all, if if you haven't seen it, and I'm going to talk to a lot of y'all as well. I know some of y'all have just scrolled on past it too uh, in the in the in the HBO stream. So let me talk to you. Um, don't skip it. Don't skip it. You ain't got shit else to do. <laughs> we like and, and and one thing that i'm you know listen COVID has been rough um it's taken a lot of lives it's disproportionately taken a lot of our mm-hmm. lives mm-hmm. um but if i can take a little glimmer of hope from it is that it has allowed or not allowed it's forced a lot of people to slow down yeah um and it's removed the excuses that a lot of people have had for, you know, some of the work that we've need had to do in the community and internally. So you don't have much else to do right now during quarantine. You can spare a couple of hours um, and watch this. What is your hope that the takeaway from this documentary is or, or the, the lane or the path that it's going to start to put us on outside of justice? <laughs> like okay. because that's I, I hope that is what everybody wants is yeah. the actual justice um, I want to I actually want to rewind you asked me a really good question you asked me um like do I see change or progress within hip-hop mm-hmm. sometimes change is happening um so slowly it's easy to miss the some larger things that are happening just the fact that we are having this conversation on this large platform with a black man who's hold you know holding himself accountable just the fact that this documentary exists on the scale that it does yeah. is progress and change and to um, answer your question what do i hope a takeaway is I want to see more black men on the front lines having these conversations with other black men, right? Because um, to go back to your example about, you know, white, I hate the term allies, right? But let's just say for lack of allies, I prefer co-conspirators, right? But let's just say, oh, (laughs) so white people in your circle that was saying, oh my gosh, what can we do? This is so exhausting. And you kind of kept having to have that conversation with them over and over. And you're saying like, hell damn fight, whatever you said to them. Like my conversation to them is don't, you don't have to jump in my DMs and unpack systemic racism to me to show me that you get it. I get it, sis. I've been living this. I know this. Can you please go home and tell your cousin Becky that? Like on Thanksgiving when the shit gets tough? Like I don't want as much as I appreciate not having to do a lot of intellectual labor on this conversation, but it, it's more helpful for me if you have this conversation with, you know, your homies on the block or, you know, when it's just wherever you are with the gathering of black men. So I'm hoping this 
this documentary opens up more of those conversations, but not just with black women. Like I said, we've been out here swinging and doing it because we have to, not because we're so strong. We just recognize ain't nobody else swinging with us. So I'm hoping that y'all will start swinging with us and for us, even when we're not around. Yeah. Yeah. That is, that is something that I can do. That is something that we all can do. And I hope that, we take this time and we do it and, and not just for, you know, a fortnight, not just, you know, while mm-hmm. it's popular, not while, you know, not just when you can get, you know, a couple thousand likes and retweets and, you yeah. know, let's not be performative with this. Yes. Right? Um, and, and, and here's the part too. Um, <laughs> this ain't new information. Sure this is information yeah. that this is information that, our our community and our black women have been yelling at us for decades, mm-hmm. for years, mm-hmm. for a long, even in this specific generation that we are, the social <sighs> media generation. Uh, yes. This isn't the first, second, 10th, 100th, 500th time we've had this conversation. We've had it right. over and over and over, right? Like so I said, eventually, I'm so thankful. I'm so yes. thankful for a, um, a Dr. Kimberly Crenshaw that gave us this language of intersectionality. But like Fannie Lou Hammer was saying this in the civil rights movement. Like she's been people, you know, been out here centri- talking about um, intersectionality without necessarily using that phrase right we have right. like this is not nothing new under the sun another thing i want to see people do from this documentary is dig into the work of these, these women like they oh, they yes. are all i mean not not even talking about just myself right but everyone was selected to be an expert on this film dig into the work of this woman like read everything that dr john morgan writes right dig yeah. into who karen maya is dig into dr kimberly crenshaw you know you could Feel free to pick up my book in March when it comes out. Like, really, don't allow this to be the end or be all. It's just like what I would tell white people. Don't be like, oh, my gosh, racism exists. Let me watch the 13th. Ow, I'm done. No, this was a, <laughs> this is a beginning. Get yeah. busy. Allow us to watch the flame and keep doing that work. Google bell hooks. Like, you know, jump in. Let me see you get some bell hooks in your system. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um very smooth transition here. You bought up your work and your book uh, mm-hmm. that's coming out next March, March 2021, uh, which is uh, congratulations. First of all, Thank I, you. is it on track to still come out at that time? Because I know COVID yes. pushed back. OK, great. I still um, on track. Miseducation, A Women's Guide to Hip Hop is the name of the book. Uh, talk to us about it. Uh, yeah. One of these days I'm going to work up like an elevated spiel, but like in another <laughs> life since we've just been talking a lot honest and another life I'd be like I'll be a rapper like I always <laughs> joke like you know this is my big tape because what I do is I use hip-hop as a lens to deconstruct a lot of social issues but it's a collection of essays that is part memoir and part sociology and I'm deconstructing hip-hop lyrics but it's comprised it, but it's put together like a mixtape like there's a side a of the chapter and there's a side Ooh. b Oh. And, um, you know, if you remember old school, like when you got an actual tape for those yeah. who know what the hell that is, oh, yeah. the, oh, yeah. the, a, the A side was the more popular narrative, the one that the DJ played all the time. And right. the B side, maybe you flip the tape over when you got a little bit sick of it. But, you know, maybe it was the B or it was just less popular. So the A side of my chapter, I am deconstructing a larger narrative. Like, for example, there's one chapter called One Love. And the A side of that is I am deconstructing the larger narrative of mass incarceration in our community and then i'm using the lyrics using person you know using the lyrics using personal narrative and then the b side of it is i push nas a bit because very much like that song women are treated like uh, in the conversation of um mass incarceration we are treated like afterthoughts jump off like we, we only mention in relation to who we are as men and that's exactly what nas did in that song and that's exactly what happens in the larger conversation around mass incarceration so it is a a loving critique of hip-hop as i deconstruct these social issues from the lens and perspective of a black woman Love it. I'm I'm very excited for this to come out. Uh and because one, um there there are a lot of I don't want to say a lot, but there are there's a good amount of books on hip hop. Um mm-hmm. but a lot of times, and we've talked about this numerous times right now, a lot of times the first names that you think to 
go check out their hip hop book, Our Men in Hip Hop, right? Mm-hmm. Um, which is another reason why they often get the first line of uh to to say what they have to say. Yeah. And, which sucks. But mm-hmm. I love that concept. The A and B side. I think that's dope. For those of y'all who cause I know we got some young little, you know, some young little people <laughs> listening to the pod. Uh, you know, back but when you didn't have when you had to wait for a song to come on if you wanted to record <laughs> it on your cassette, you know what I'm saying? Uh, that is such a novel idea that is I don't think I I'm trying to go through my banks. I don't think anybody's ever explored to release art in today's society from that standpoint. So that's so dope. I think that's so fucking dope. Thank you. you gotta have me back on the show when a book actually yeah. drops. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Works. Matt, definitely, definitely uh write that down so we can make a note of that because I would love to have you back on to actually like dig into that book and, yes, and dig I'll into a copy. Oh, hell yes. Hell yes. Um I am very thankful for you coming on. Um you know, listen, I I wanna say that um I personally don't think I am uh, special for navigating this interview or anything like that, because in many ways, you know, I don't know what to say. (laughs) I'm not trying to, you know, I just, I think the conversations are what need to be had, right? Yes. And and for a lot of people, you know, I've been saying this to a lot to, you know, all my white fans and friends and all the white folk, um, nobody's expecting you to have mm-hmm. the an- all the answers, right? Mm-hmm. Um, people are expecting you to know when you don't, though. Yeah. And there's this one little meme that's been going out recently is normalize uh, getting new information and changing your opinion. Yes. <laughs> that is, that is so It's a great way to start. That's a great place to start. You know, and and so I I, I want to thank you for even giving me some things. I was like, damn, you're right. You know, uh, that is a good place to turn my opinion of what I thought and things like that. So before we jump off, I want to give you the space and the uh, the platform to let anybody know about anything else you may want them to know about, uh, where they may want to find you if you want to be found. Uh, <laughs> I want to give you that space to to let people know. Uh, where they can acquire the dopeness of yourself. Uh, uh, well, again, um, my book, Miseducation, A Woman Guide, A Woman's Guide to Hip Hop, comes out in March 2021. And I'll be back on the show so we can talk Hell about yeah, it a bit more. Will. I'm being very strategic and I'm writing less, you know, articles, because I would say, oh, normally I would have like articles coming out from different publications, but I'm trying to scale back and focus on my book. So you can stay in contact with me on social media. You can follow me on Twitter. Sometimes I tweet about, you know, super dope shit. Sometimes I'm just tweeting about, you know, my sex life or lack thereof. Or, you know, sometimes I'm talking about systemic racism, but you can still follow me. Love it. I love it. Go follow her. Uh, please go watch On the Record when the book drops next March, which, you know, at this point, this year is moving slow and fast at the same time. May feel like tomorrow or may feel like a decade from now. But make sure to write it down in your calendar. Uh, we'll definitely have you back on as the book is about to drop to re-remind the kingdom um, to to check it out and definitely put it on a list to pre-order and get and read. And we'll definitely have you back on to talk about. Uh, Shanita, thank you so much for jumping on. I appreciate you so much. Thank Uh, you for having me. This was a really great interview. It just felt like a good conversation. So this was dope. Thank you so much. We appreciate you. There it is, everybody. Um, I, I'm i going to be real with you. I was a little nervous to jump into that interview beforehand, uh, solely for the reason that um, I, I don't know why. I don't know why, because I, I, it's a conversation that needs to be had. But one thing that I try to pride myself on, and, and I think that's important, is having the conversations in the right way. Um, and, and, and allowing 
the person that you're having these conversations with when it centers around race and centers around um, um, women and black women in general, uh, making sure that they have the platform and the space to say the things that they need to say, want to say, and also push back on some of the things that you say as well. And I am so grateful that Shanita came on and not only dropped some amazing knowledge, uh, but gave you or gave us and gave me such a really dope place to know that if you haven't started, you can start here. And if you have started, where's the next place you can go? And I want to be very clear when I say this. Uh, Shanita is just one person, right? And I say that to say this. Um, don't let it, it, please don't let just one person be your only guide into how we can uplift our black women or uplift, uh, cut our black women out, please. Uh, how we can uplift black women. Uh, because one, we've said this many times on this show, black people are not a monolith. Black women are not a monolith. Uh, and, 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 you know, one black woman doesn't have all the answers, nor should we expect them to have all the answers, right? That's, that's kind of what we were talking about. Have these conversations, Google is free and you can't exhaust Google, but, and, and go look at some of these other amazing women who have been having these conversations for years and decades, who have different ways and different life experiences, where they can navigate you in this conversation that we need to have and in this education that we need to have, right? Um, Shanita is one vessel, a great vessel, but she's one vessel. Uh, we can have multiple vessels in our lives as we are trying to learn and uplift the voices that are marginalized who no longer deserve or should be marginalized right so uh shout out to shanita i think she was dope i hope you guys got a lot from it please go watch on the record uh when her book comes out we're gonna have her back on i'm very excited about that i th i mean listen no bullshit that idea with the a and the b side of the book is so dope it's so it's such a really smart as a creative person myself uh that got me excited uh, because it's such a really cool idea. So I'm very excited for that to come out and hit the world. And uh, definitely follow her as well. She's she's dope. The work she's doing is dope. It's important. And I hope, I hope that people take it seriously and push that work forward so when her daughter grows up, she doesn't have to do the same damn work her mother is doing that she had to do that her mother was doing and many generations before her were doing, right? We need to be better within our black community. We need to be better as a people in general. Same with the white folks. Um, you know, people who listen to Culture Kings. This is two black men, right? It's two black men y'all love on this show. So, you know, if this is one of your favorite podcasts, thank you so much. But go find out, go find some other, go find some other podcasts with black women talking about pop culture. <laughs> you know, they're out there. They're out there. Um, with that said, right now I'm doing Black Voices Friday on Earwolf. Uh, I generally don't love to promote other things that I do on this podcast, but I think this one is important because it kind of speaks to uh, this a little bit. Black Voices Friday, where I am curating other podcasts who don't have the platform that culture kings or scam goddess or some of the read or some of your other favorite black shows have and i'm introducing them to you on earwolf present so that's every friday uh as of now up through the end of august um so go check it out support black art go find some new shows that's a really good opportunity to do that i'm very very excited uh, to be curating that and and have that out in the world. So that is one thing. Also, the Kingdom bonus content, Stitcher Premium, 
It is out. It is live. It is popping. Use the promo code KINGS to get a free month. Uh, Listen, when you do that, y'all always talking about, man, KINGS, how can we help y'all? Y'all can help us. Because, niggas, we going to get paid if y'all use that. (laughs) So use that free code and help your KINGS out. And also just listen to some of our uh, content because, you know, we're doing some fun shit over there. So check that out. Let's get to Queen of the Week. Let's do this week's Queen of the Week. Um, This week's Queen of the Week is a somber Queen of the Week. Um, I'm sure a lot of people have heard about the unfortunate um, and very tragic death of Naya Rivera, uh, star of Glee. I remember Naya even from like a few episodes of Family Matters growing up. And uh, yeah, she she had been doing it for a long ass time. Um, but, you know, she she was more known for Glee and some of her more recent work and her music. This one was very uh, a painful way to find out somebody passed away because it involved their kid being there. And, you know, uh, it's just a really sad thing. So I want to give a special Queen of the Week to Naya Rivera, her memory, her life. May she rest in in all the paradise. And uh, sending love to her baby boy who was with her when she uh, drowned, unfortunately. Which, uh, you know, I'm, I'm sure... That's unfortunately going to stick with him for the rest of his life. So, yeah, very, very sad Queen of the Week. So, and uh, in the spirit of this episode, I also want to just say to all the the black women, to all the women of color that we have lost, especially in this fight right now that we're fighting against assault, whether it is from domestic or police brutality, you know, lift up their names. Don't forget them. Don't forget their memories. Uh, we have a lot of fighting to do for all of the queens out there whose lives are cut short. So we can hopefully make sure when it comes to violence that their lives are not cut short and that they are protected. Um, so somber queen of the week, important queen of the week, queen of the week, Naya Rivera. And a reminder to everyone out there to keep the fight going for all these queens so we can stop having stories where we find out another one has passed away due to violence and everything that we can avoid. That's it. That's the episode. Uh, To everybody, I know, you know, it wasn't a lot of chuckles and laughs up in here, but so damn what? All right. It's called Culture Kings and we hit every intersection of the culture and if that means y'all don't he he ha ha for an episode then y'all don't he he ha ha for an episode you know what i'm saying uh but i appreciate y'all i hope you guys enjoyed the episode i hope you guys uh consume it and and it was a good one for you edgar will be back and if i'm not back i'll be back we we still doing this damn thing together at Culture Kings Pod is where you can find the podcast. Interact with us. Talk to us, niggas. We want to hear from you. Hit us up on uh, uh, on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Leave us a review. Uh, I think we should do an episode where we actually talk about some reviews and 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 and, and you know thank y'all for all the support because we really do appreciate it. You can find me on every piece of social media at Jockey's Neil. You can find Edgar on Twitter at Edgar Montplazier on Instagram at AwfulGram. Um, don't find Matt. You won't like his social media. It is problematic. And uh, I will say this, though. Matt was very happy to have Shanita on. It's the only guest that we've had that Matt was like, I love this guest. So for this episode, you can give Matt kudos and adoration. But when we come back, you best believe Matt going to be back to his old ways. And until that, we like you. We love you. Peace out.